You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. So, yes, welcome back to everybody who is joining us for this episode of Eleven D Life. We are taking some deep dives. And doing sacred some, tension. And sa- well, Jesus yes. Christ. Pull yourself yes, together. Yes, yes, yes. These are crossover episodes, so we are using them on Eleven D Life as a deep dive into album commentary for different songs. And Stephen is pur- purposing them for his podcast, Sacred Tension, which you guys hear about at the top of almost every single Eleven D Life episode. So if you haven't checked that out should head over there and figure some shit out. Pull yourself <laughs> Get together on board. and listen to Sacred Tension. That's it. That's Talk it. Talk to sex workers and <laughs> Satanists and cult experts and theologians. Are you doing an ad for your own show? Yes, I am. Shut on up. your own show? This yes, is the I most am. meta thing. Oh, my God. It is my own show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> yeah. So for everybody following along in series, we are talking about the stories behind the songs on uh, 117's new album, Basic Glitches. I'm talking about 117 in third person like it doesn't exist. We never explored why it is called Basic Glitches. Is it because you're a basic glitch in the universe? I mean... Like I, you 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 are a glitch in the Matrix. The I am fact a really... That you exist. So I and my you're wife like this, you're are a, really... You're a heterosexual, unicorn-loving femme. Yes. Femme boy. Th- there it is. Who... <laughs> th- there it is. Whenever we're out in public, people always mistake us for being a gay couple. And I'm like, no, believe it or not, he's the straight one. <laughs> <laughs> is it hard to believe? I don't think it's hard to believe that I'm straight. No, I don't feel like there's all. things about me that... I think there are things about you that are extraordinarily heterosexual. Oh, okay. Almost ravishingly so, in fact. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> um, yeah, so you were asking about where the album title came from. My wife and I are really big fans of puns. And so I remember being at a brewery here just in town talking to some different friends of mine. And I was like, hey, we needed an album title for this record. And I think it was Davies, Davies, the other member of 117 for everybody who's catching up. His wife, I think might have said something about basic bitches or Maybe it was her idea, like basic glitch. I can't remember how it all came. Everybody's throwing out ideas all at one time. Uh-huh. And something about basic glitches like stuck with me. It's a great title. Because I was like, this kind of sums up exactly what I feel like the record Your existential is about. condition. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm waking up every day to some other sort of glitch like and if anybody's ever watched the matrix like there's all of that shit to if anyone with. has watched the matrix if anyone is <laughs> well you have to ask that kind of thing now it's, because that's true there's some people that don't know what the that matrix came out is. 20 years ago 30 oh God, years i'm old i don't know i can't i don't remember anymore <laughs> it's still one of my favorite movies it's still a great movie i love it despite what? It's going to fall on you. What is? The guitar. What? Oh. <laughs> it's, it's like slowly creeping over to you. you you're welcome to kind of toss that to the side or whatever. Me... There you go. There you go. That's it. You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> I'm destroying your guitar. Okay. So 
it, yes, despite all of the Christian apologists trying to hijack the Matrix right. as a metaphor, you know, despite John Eldridge trying yes. to make us all hate the Matrix by constantly <laughs> referencing it in his shitty books. <clears throat> oh, wow. Shots fired. Hot take. Hot John take. Eldridge is a terrible writer. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. I don't know who heart. that is. I don't know. Wild at Heart. Do you not remember Wild oh, at Heart? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's okay. Christian phenomenon where you can be a manly man and go out. I do remember reading that. Yes. Camping. Did you read it? I do remember reading that. I think that someone gifted me that book. Of course. And you were you were too you you were too much of a pussy. You know, just because I've tried to be a nice guy about that kind of stuff, girl, me too. Doesn't seem to be the kind of thing. You're not the only one. I will give it a few chapters. Uh huh. I did. I read the entire thing multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. Right. Because I was a flamingly homosexual boy. <laughs> Did it fix you? Even though I was so deep in the closet, I was in Narnia, mm. I still burned the building down. Like, I have I have butched up compared to the little flaming <laughs> twink I was in high school. I just, even, <clears throat> even when I read that book, well, like I made it the whole way through, I got two chapters in and I was so put off by... What felt like a lot of toxic masculinity. There was a lot of toxic. A lot of that. A lot of that other stuff too. That that we were talking about in the other episode. This is Christians are constantly reappropriating their message into like pop culture waves of things. So like yes, this whole whole thing of like gym culture and being a manly man and what masculinity is and. You know, this idea that somehow if men would just be men and women would just be women and then the world then the would, world will somehow work would somehow so be much in better. Harmony. And it feels like it feels like such a relic of an idea that it doesn't quite make sense. Or, and it is yeah. so damaging to every single one of us to who is most of us. Right. Who somehow fall out of that strict and binary. And now our culture pays for example, the price for that kind of thing. I fuck men and Matt <laughs> likes unicorns. <laughs> and both of us were just deeply screwed by that. I'm sorry, we're two episodes in and We're two episodes in, we can't stop and my but also we can't stop bantering. I might start saying things that we all regret. So if I make fun of you That's what for, editing is for. Okay, good. I'm, I'm safe space. Matt, I'm sorry for making fun of you publicly. You know, I think it's good to be made fun of. We all we make fun of each other all the yeah. time. Yeah, it's good. It's love. It is love. I love you, bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like that's about to start overriding something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. Okay, good. <clears throat> yeah. Just, just double checking. Yeah. Okay. So we're at, at this point <laughs> in the album commentary, we're to the song Birthright, which is the third song on the record. And it was very specifically inspired by this piece of fan mail that I got. And I thought it might be interesting to kind of read this piece of yes, fan mail. Yes, please do. And before you do that, okay. also, this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, that's so kind. This is my favorite of all the songs. I love the entire album. Like, yeah. the entire thing is fantastic. I might listen to it every single morning as I'm waking up. I might actually- Doesn't sound healthy. <laughs> I might actually do that. No, for real. Like, I told you the other day that yeah. I love this album so fucking much yeah. that I am practically- like a little groupie, like <laughs> following you from city to city, like bearing my tits at you and shoving my newborn baby at you to sign. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that is me with this album right now. 
I love it. And this is my favorite song. It's a very distinctive phase to be going through. Isn't it <laughs> for, for a song <laughs> it's probably because i didn't i didn't go through that phase with any other band so now i'm going through it with you matt that's awesome actually no that's not true i i go th- i went through that with marilyn manson okay mm-hmm. he, he never signed my babies though oh I don't know that's why. So, so sad he ate them so for this song <clears throat> this one like i feel like the overarching theme of this is kind of just feeling feeling like a complete outsider to all things christian uh, like we were talking about in the last episode that you you always feel like you're the guy trying to explain to everyone why you're in the room with all the suits and you're constantly making excuses for yourself of why you still belong here in this room with everyone because you have a lot of these same ideals that that line up with like the teachings of Christ or of other people. But you also have a very wide table at which you want to invite other people to be a part of it. And so you're constantly trying to tell all these gatekeepers why you should also still be able to be here in this like world of Christendom, of Christianity, in the in the great wide world of Christianity, of all things that are that, and still constantly being kicked out of the door. Yeah. So I got this letter whenever we released our last record, Rad Science, and I'll read it to you and I'll try to skip over all of the actual names in it. But this is come up with like long Russian names. <laughs> right, to... right. Putin. Yeah. Putin. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not a long Russian name. I mean like Shostakovich and yeah, Stravinsky. You're come so up with, much more creative with, at that with than Russian I am. composer names. Okay, go on. Okay, here we go. So this is the email that I got. Hello, this is blank blank. Insert Russian name here. <laughs> That's not Dostoevsky. True. There you go. There you go. <laughs> One of the backers. I don't really have great things to say, so brace yourself. (laughs) At least she said, buckle up, hot take coming in. About your album? Yes. Oh, great. Okay. And so she says, thing is, Eleventy Seven is one of my and my son's favorite bands. Your lyrics were not the normal preppy, poppy aggravation of a lot of pop bands. They had substance and depth that was, no offense, rather shocking. We'll let that one slide. Let let it slide. Combine lyrics... Positive, God-honoring, brokenly optimistic lyrics with your synth rock musical sounds, and there's literally nothing not to like. (laughs) I wish the whole world felt that way. I would listen to Galactic Conquest whenever I was down, and still do, because the words were real and heartfelt, and your music could wake the dead. Your first album. Was that your first second? That was our second one. That's right. Um, eons ago and then she says adventures in evil was pretty much the only thing my son listened to for a while which i feel like is negligence on the parents part you should not (laughs) 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 so we've already got some some issues right here out of the gate um she goes on to say so when i saw you were reforming i joined in with him to back your project with no regrets then rad science happened i'm sorry for those for those who don't know, Rad Science. Rad Science is the last record we the, put out. The last record, it was like your your. It was our comeback record. Like comeback we had record. broken up for a few years and decided to start making music again. And so that record was really big for us personally because. And it it's was, a great record. Right. A lot of the music on the show uh, over the past year or two has been from either Rad Science or Bang and Whimper by the Jelly Rocks, which is a, a And another you're so kind to project. use the to use the songs in Girl, you you elevate my show to a whole new level <laughs> with that music. Like if it weren't for you, I would be using some shitty public domain music and your music is what makes sacred tension. Satan and Unicorns is now the aesthetic <laughs> because of your music. Okay, go on. Okay. She says, Then Rad Science happened. I'm sorry. 
I want to love it. Musically, it's everything I wanted from an 11D album. Your talent is well displayed. Lyrically, well, that is the sticking point. I have not heard so depressing a CD in I don't know. Jesus Christ. That's, that's a full sentence. Whoa. Whoa. Your rad science is yeah. the most. Okay, go on. Yeah. Um, so withhold judgment. I'm entirely. withholding judgment. Um, I'm withholding judgment. I literally just want to sit down and cry after listening to it. I thought it was just me, but my son said, and I quote, I never want to listen to that again. If ever in my life, I am too happy, like giddy to the point of being unable to think straight. I will listen to rad science so it can bring me down. <laughs> Whoa. This is this is a real email. Like I'm reading this verbatim. Whoa! It's an actual email that we got about the record. When did this come in? Oh, this is this might be a couple of years old actually at this point. Okay. Yeah. So this okay, got it. This is right after Rad Science came out, okay. which would have been like 2017, yes. early 2018. She goes on to say, "I'm not saying this to be mean. I know it sounds like that, but that's just my disappointment. That's why I'm contacting you guys directly instead of leaving a public review." Thank you so much. Which is very sweet. I've been looking forward to this since September. I'm telling you this, I guess because I want you to know that we're praying for you. You are one of our favorite bands, and we will follow whatever future offerings you present. But until then, it's back to Galactic Conquest. Which actually brings me to a secondary point. <laughs> I want to know if it would be possible, instead of sending us the Rad Science vinyl, can you just send us the Galactic Conquest vinyl? I understand if you cannot, but I want to ask. Also, to end this on a high note, even though I'm not a fan of the album, it's really awesome to have a CD signed by Eleventy-Seven. We will treasure that, if nothing else. Wow. So there's a lot going on in this Yes, letter. feelings. Goodness. Lots of feelings. <laughs> on, on her part. And on your part, well, I can assume. Now you know it's a girl. A lady. Yes. <laughs> a lady, perhaps. Um, I feel like I got a lot of emails that were kind of like this where mm. people were almost like they couldn't help themselves like I don't think that they were trying to write something to me that was offensive or hurtful or hurtful in any way I think they were just I think they were concerned yeah and kind of heartbroken <laughs> and the weird thing is I she says that she like she describes like sitting down and crying after listening to this record and I feel like that was one of the best parts about that record for me. That like when I was making that record was when I was literally going through this like emotional breaking yeah. of myself. Like I was having fits of hysteria in between writing some of those songs, just sitting out on the back porch, chain smoking and drinking myself, you know, <laughs> into trying to go in and finish the vocals mm. like and having no idea why I was feeling so manic or why I was feeling so weird or upset or angry or sad. It was just, I feel like a lot of things were coming to a head in my life at that point. I was trying to convey that in my songs because I feel like that was the most honest thing that I could do in that moment. And I wasn't interested in, in like reflecting back to other people, their beliefs. Like we had talked about that earlier. It's impossible to reflect back to everyone ideas that they feel like they're happy with or that they approve of or Part of what makes living here so fun is that we don't all think alike, that we don't all see the same thing, you know, when we're looking at a picture. Yeah. So, yeah, I had had this letter kind of rattling around in the back of my mind because it was so pointed and the disappointment that she seems to have felt is so real mm. and that her child would feel that way. Yeah. Like that I would be the anti-joy. <laughs> like... In case, he, in case he felt so much joy and so giddy 
that he wasn't able to control himself. He would listen to this. That he would listen to, to bring this, him and it down would somehow from his manic episode. That's just okay. That's stunning to me. But I'm coming from a completely different perspective, of course. Right. Where to me, I think what made what made Rad Science so beautiful was how messy it is. Like how messy the lyrical content is. Like yeah. how working through that very real angst yeah. and also if that's the darkest album she's ever heard oh wow <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah and I, I get it there's there are albums that i listen to that make me really uncomfortable yeah because the too. things they have to say and and maybe in some small way i can really relate to what she's saying that sometimes you're ready for that yeah. Sometimes you're ready for that thought experiment or that emotional experiment with yourself, testing your own boundaries, and sometimes it's not the right day for it. And right. So to each his own or her own. To each their own. Yeah. Um, so that's what like the very huh. first lines of the song. I wonder if she's listening to this right now. Maybe. If so, hi. I don't know. If so, hi. We still love you. Welcome. Welcome. Glad um, you're here. So tell us some clever metaphor, sing us a hymn or strum us a power chord. This is like in response to all of the emails that we got telling us that they didn't like the new direction that we were taking. They wanted us to just like keep making pop punk records. And yeah, it's almost like you have this whole part of your audience that just wants you to say something Christian to them. That just wants you to give them some sort of recent revelation that you've had. Yeah, keep doing keep going back to the same well. And drinking from that, um, which is not possible, right? It's and it, it's sad. I get that. Like there are times when I wish I could keep drinking from the same well. As a creator, I look back on other periods of my creativity, and I'm like, I wish I could go back to that point, but it's impossible. Yeah. So yeah, at the end of the first verse, where it's like, maybe I need a new way to shame out of me all this toxic inner mythology. I feel like that's the conversation I was having with so many different people who were trying to shame me for questioning <clears throat> or to shame me for expressing the truth of where I was or what I was feeling and mm. what my thoughts were about myself and my life and relationships with people. And so, yeah, just kind of sassy. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. it It's a fantastic song. And for me, this is really coupled with um, fear the fire mm. for me the those two songs kind of go hand in hand they for me they they're kind of a package deal and deal with the same subject matter yeah no absolutely has for the same sure. emotional resonance for yeah me. yeah it's all I feel like that's all happening in the same room together sure in the second verse where it's like I wish we'd known that you left the pack it's me talking about leaving Christianity and the people that are expressing disappointment in the same way that this lady was that somehow not saying all the things that I used to say or that I don't have the same optimistic or bubblegum view of things that right. I did as a child. <laughs> like, I think people forget, too, that you're a 33-year-old man. I'm a 34-year-old man. Jesus Christ, you're and so I've goddamn been, old. I know. I'm <laughs> fucking old. We are getting been, old, Matt. I've been in this band since I was 15. Yeah. So, like, when of did, course, all when of did my Galactic songs, Conquest come out? Galactic Conquest came out in 2006. How old were you then? Seven. I was like 22, maybe. Okay. 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah. I was really young. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't know a lot about the world, you know? And people write songs about different things, like. At different seasons of life. Exactly. Some of those songs are, are demos from 
you know, when I was 15 and 16. So mm. it's like they have a completely different worldview yeah. than I have now. I completely get that. But yeah, so the line in the song, We Liked You Better Galactical, is completely, is directly from that letter that I just read. Mm. All the people that are like, keep doing the same thing. Keep reflecting back to us what we want to hear. Yeah. yeah. I figured that's what that line <clears throat> was about. Some of my favorite lines in here are the hallelujah all my sisters and brothers maybe some animals are more equal than others <clears throat> i love that, that line too. that straight straight up taken from orwell's animal farm also uh everyone where is it uh has got all these people doubting my commitment to sparkle motion <laughs> 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 i love that <laughs> this reference to donnie darko because when i watch that movie i feel every time i see that scene like that that lady who's flipping her shit in the doorway yeah you know about sparkle motion being the thing for me that was my experience with the church yes with, with zealots of christianity like they they were the ones that were constantly knocking on my door and being like and they're and they're just nonstop. like why don't you see how amazing this is and how life-changing right. this is and how overwhelmingly beautiful and awesome and incredible this is and i'm like nope i'm sorry I'm really not seeing it. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm like squinting my eyes <laughs> trying yeah. to see it and I just can't see it. Yeah. It is weird. It's it's propping up propping up these religious ideals that a lot of times I don't even know if people have thought yeah. through all the way. It's just they want this thing to be true so badly and they want for all of it to to be leading up to something. They want for all the practices and all of the sacraments and all of the different you know, knickknacks that go along with that version of Christianity to ultimately culminate in in a, a, a wonderful afterlife. Yeah. Know, in which everything is is great and perfect. Yeah. If you haven't seen Donnie Darko. <laughs> Pull yourself together. <laughs> Pull, yeah. Well, so this yeah. this whole conversation is making me think of a conversation I had several years ago with a really dear friend of mine. And uh, she was a conservative Catholic and she was single and really, really, really struggling with that because she was also just an intensely sexual person and really wanted to have sex and really wanted right. to have a close, intimate relationship with someone. And she said that every time she took the Eucharist mm. at, at Mass, that she would feel shame. She mm. felt guilt because she felt like—so in, in Catholicism, the Eucharist is the pinnacle of intimacy with God. Right. It is complete— it is the pinnacle of earthly intimacy with the divine. Yes. And she said that she felt shame mm. and guilt because she felt like having that intimacy with God and that level of intimacy and physicality as Catholics believe it to be, mm. that she shouldn't need a partner. Mm. That she shouldn't need uh, right. to have this bodily relationship it's the idea with a man. That if you're that gets perpetuated, that if you're doing this right, exactly, you won't feel those you things. Won't you won't feel struggle with that. And and I don't know that the, this is kind of tangential, but it really reminds me of that. This yeah, this tox the the way it puts these toxic expectations on you. And uh, villainizes your humanity right. in that way. And then you feel guilt. You feel this horrible, <clears throat> horrible guilt for just being a human being. Right. I forget what it was that sparked that. What was the lyric that we were just looking at? I can't. Well, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> this this was connected to something, and it was really fucking good. Uh, 
Um, sparkle motion? Yes, sparkle motion. <laughs> right. Co- doubting the, the doubting commitment to sparkle motion. Yeah. Right? Is And there's that fear <clears throat> that for people who are completely lost and have not seen Donnie Darko, I'm so sorry, pull yourself together. Yeah, right. It came out in 2004. <laughs> okay. Um, was it 2004? It was like, I think it was 2004. It was, it was early. That was one of those formative movies for me. So, me too. That when I saw it, I... There were there were things that I related to in that movie. Me too. As I was watching it, I knew that it was important that I see this, and it's been over the course of my yeah, like it, since I've seen it, and it's been at least fifteen years since I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. It it continues to like it's it's almost this thing that helps bring about revelations Catharsis. about yourself. It is incredibly cathartic. Yeah, me too. And it isn't even the best movie, but it's just like for me personally. Says who? Says <laughs> me. No. Okay, so doubting commitment to Sparkle Motion, that that makes me think of my friend mm-hmm. because there is this fear yeah. that if you don't have the right experience, yes. then you're not doing it right mm-hmm. or you don't have the right or your heart isn't in the right place. And that just leads to a life of shame and guilt and right. self-doubt and all of that. And the thing I find the most interesting is that Christianity, as I understand it, promises something completely the opposite. It promises freedom. It, it, it promises peace. It promises belonging and purpose and meaning. Right. And I feel like at every turn, it, it's sabotaging those very ideals it's like for people venezuela being socialist oh i cannot even (laughs) i mean i wish i wish i could speak intelligently about that but anyway go on immediately in over my head yeah so i'm i'm totally good to move on from that song it's just it basically just a lament of feeling like i don't really have a place or a place where i belong which i think is also why you and i feel so passionate about what we're doing here with rock candy and with our sure. podcast is is constantly trying to take all these different hurts and and fissures and fractures within our own psyche and within our own lives and build something new and with them build something that is kinder and gentler mm-hmm. and more accommodating and more friendly and safer to just kind of be a person yeah um yeah and i think that yeah Connecting with people and with a posture of kindness is like the most radical punk rock thing you can do right now. <laughs> like, I think so too. It, it really is. Like just being being a kind human being and not jumping to conclusions and not and and giving people the benefit of the doubt and giving people the space to be who they are. Yeah. I feel like all of that is is so radical and and doing that is, and maybe this is just me being overly idealistic, which I have a tendency to be, (laughs) but I I genuinely think that, that doing that, that having that attitude kind of day in, day out, um, is kind of a revolutionary act. Yeah. I really, really do feel that way. Mm. And having public conversations. Yes. To demonstrate that attitude is really revolutionary. Yeah. But that is just me that I'm, I might be I I might need to be more cynical about that, but that's my working philosophy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bravo, Stephen. <laughs> Yay! Tooting my own horn. So Aren't can, I the best? Right. We can totally move on to the next song, which is Letterman it's, Jacket. Yeah. No, it's no. It, it's it's one called Skip. God damn it! <laughs> it's the one I always skip. <clears throat> oh right, right. Well, you're a rule follower. It seems <laughs> I am. It says skip, and so I skip it. Right. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a great song too. So, so this song is very much 
uh, kind of about this weird millennial-scented dystopia that we kind of seem to live in right the now. Silicon Valley gig economy Right, hellscape. yeah. So this song is really, I feel like it's really similar to another song that we wrote on this last record called Holding Out. Or it comes from that same sort of well that that song. Another great song. Comes from, um, <clears throat> yeah, but it's all, to me, I feel like this song is kind of just like word painting. It's kind of a, a lament. It's a cry of frustration. It's uh, it's d dangerously introspective. This whole idea that our lives are just constantly running from being advertised something else being given a whole other version of beauty to attain to or giving a, being given a whole different version of what mental health or religious health looks like and mm. constantly jumping from one square to the next and feeling like the bar is always moving. And in that way, I feel like pop culture or the current zeitgeist of American popular culture feels very similarly to my experience with Christianity growing up. Mm. That bar is always being moved. You're never quite getting where you need to. There's always an update. There's always an upgrade. There's always an advertisement that's promising you something something better, something different that's going to make your life easier. But at the same time that mm. it's promising all those things, it's redefining what a good life is. It's constantly redefining for you what a happy and, and puts, healthy life looks and like. And it puts the onus on you to make those changes, mm. to hack your way out of it. Yes. And that, so, okay, personal existential angst moment. So I'm, I am personally going through this process of having to realize that some things I just can't hack my way out of. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like our generation, the millennials in yeah. particular, were told this gig economy myth mm. that you can just be your own person and be an entrepreneur and just hack your way through <laughs> life and just, you know, be on top of the world. And and entrepreneurp. And, and, and entrepreneurp. <laughs> that is 100% what I am. That is what we are. Right. Entrepreneurps. And, but now that I'm kind of more embracing my latent socialist who's always been there sure realizing that that is a lie and that i can't hack my way yeah through everything and that it putting the burden culturally and generationally mm. putting the burden on the individual to get to the top when they don't have time to be with their own children yeah. that are who are newly born or they can't pay enough to take a single day off, mm -hmm. or they're terrified of losing their health care, or they can't afford health care, yeah. you can't hack your way out of that. Mm -hmm. It has to be a, a systemic change. Right. And I feel like our generation is facing this kind of existential crisis where we are realizing the fact that we can't hack our way out of income inequality. Mm -hmm. Like, we can't hack our way out right. of systems that that destroy us mm -hmm. and the it, you hit a ceiling when you rely on self-motivation yeah. it's like you hit a ceiling when you rely on uh, on you know being as fit and healthy and present and successful and productive as you can be right you will inevitably hit a ceiling because the system is fucked yeah and so what need what needs to happen is an overhaul of the system but this song I think is a lament mm -hmm. about that whole scenario. Yeah. For me, that's how I hear it, <laughs> at least. 
No, I completely, I completely agree with that. It, it, yeah. it is as many like wonderful and beautiful things that we have to be thankful and grateful for. And oh, absolutely. The, the mysteries of life in the universe and what the fuck is at the other end of black holes. I love all of that stuff. Yes. And yet there's some days and that I, I wake up. And I love my iPhone. Right. Like I love the fact that I have four cats and an iPhone and an Amazon Alexa yeah. that, that overhears me and, right. saying terrible things and beams it off to Amazon to sell me shit. Like I yeah. love all that shit. <laughs> but, but... Okay, I feel like, 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 yes, we can acknowledge that yeah. the world is a better place. So we, there's that, like, vertical vertical growth. Right. Like, if you look back or if you look into the past, of course we're in a better place historically. But then there's also horizontal equality, and right. that is shit. So so for me, the the hardest thing I think about this song is, like, coming to terms with the fact that there are so many different things, programs and algorithms within our life right now that almost act as surrogate nannies. Yeah. Like we, you know, there's this, there's this giant, there are giant AIs out there everywhere that are constantly combing all, everything that we're doing, building profiles about us. It's almost like having a computer following you around constantly and hearing you say, hearing them say something or hearing you say something like, oh my gosh, I'm kind of hungry. We'll immediately we'll show you an ad. Or I've been thinking about, you know, chicken fingers or whatever. And all of a sudden, <laughs> like a Popeye's fucking ad will pop up. Right. And the thing is that those that type of relationship to technology on a surface level makes us feel cared for in the same way that somebody who's like, you know, that a parent would come to a child and say, all right, well, it's time to eat. It seems like you might be getting a little cranky. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's almost like a parent trying to help it's a child learn how to regulate. It, but but the thing is that this is these are the actions that a parent would take when and when they're raising a child. But when left up to a computer that doesn't have the same ideas of what what things are good for you, like no parent would ever give a child every single so, thing that they want and put everything that they want at their fingertips. As, so Ezra Klein, who's a a podcaster who yeah. I listen to, he talks about he talks about this and how there's a difference between what I want and what I want. Yeah, I want an entire bag of Oreos, mm -hmm. but I also want to get healthy. Yeah. I also want to feel good in my own body. Mm -hmm. So we can have many different wants. Yeah, and the algorithms are shit at determining the difference between those two. And right. the algorithms well, tend they're not to designed go, to. They're designed no, to sell products. They're they're designed to make money. And so th these algorithms will usually cater to the most immediate, which is Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And yeah. so it will, or racism, <laughs> <laughs> or xenophobia, or right. resentment, or outrage. Or it will award the most immediate, gratifying thing yes. in human nature. And usually the most immediate and gratifying thing in human nature is not the best. Well, and I don't know how familiar you are with this. I, maybe we've talked about this before, but this concept of higher brain, lower brain. Yeah. This idea that you have your, your lizard brain, which is just there to keep you alive. It's fight or flight. It's I'm hungry. It's I need sex. I need food. It's, it's not the same thing as your higher brain. And sometimes being able to differentiate between those two desires can be really, really healthy. Your upper brain, your higher brain is going to say, is going to override your lower brain and say, you know what? I am hungry. But Oreos are not the best thing for me. They won't make me happy in 20 years when I have 
heart disease or even me. in a day or even today yeah just right you know now, like, what like it, your higher brain is an helping hour you figure later out, am i going to feel good about this right exactly <laughs> the answer is no it's in control of things like delayed gratification Yes. And being able to to not to engage in conversation with people and not feel like you're being attacked or threatened or, you know, that your life is in danger. <laughs> and yeah. anxiety crosses those wires yeah. and makes it really difficult, I feel like, for, for some people. You know, I feel like so much bandwidth is taken up for me. So much of my energy is taken up just trying to manage the algorithms in my life right just trying to keep them from invading mm -hmm. it, and it feels like a losing battle sometimes because mm -hmm. it's like okay i have 50 shows to yeah. edit <laughs> i have an article to write i right. have emails to write <laughs> i and then i have to go to work and then i have to you know it's like or i really 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 want to look at twitter yeah right now and and these apps are designed to be as addictive as possible and I feel like I'm constantly fighting against the sway mm -hmm. the the siren call yeah of these algorithms that just hack my brain and it's like I can know yeah. all of the psychology behind them I can know all, exactly what they're doing and it doesn't change anything right. or I can also know why things on Twitter make me mad and I still get fucking mad. Right, right. I, like I still get pissed off because you're a person. Because with I'm a person and responses to with things. human psychology. And it, and I'm just like, there are times when I'm like, just imagine a world without this kind of social media. Yeah. That, and I'm, I'm like, how different would my life be? I feel like it would just free up so much more energy. Mm-hmm. And so much more focus to be able to do actually meaningful right. stuff. But it's and so I do, hard to and it's I, so hard to achieve that. Yes, and I do actually feel really bitter about that. Mm -hmm. Like I do actually feel really angry about the fact that I feel kind of trapped right. in social media because I have to use it and I do enjoy yeah. it, but I'm constantly fighting the influence of these algorithms. Right. And I feel like there is there's no opting out of that. Yeah, it's and it drives me crazy. It's something that you can't see. You only ever see the manifestation of. Exactly. Just like the wind. I yes. mean, it's kind of the like same thing. Like the Holy thing. Spirit. Right, like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Can I get an amen, Brother Stephen? All right. Um, yeah, so this, you're exactly right. I feel like you're hitting the nail on the head. Like, that's completely what this song is about. It's just coming to terms with the fact that this, this is our struggle. This yes. is this is our set of circumstances that our generation was particularly born into that we are going to have to figure out and also pay the price for not being able to figure it out in time. <laughs> so, you know, I've I've been thinking a lot about this and about and I and I've been teaching about this in my yoga classes actually. Mm -hmm where the world is kind of predicated, the, mm -hmm. the survival of the world is predicated on conserving our wild places yeah. physically, that the, wild, the wild places in nature that are untouched, that are, that are not colonized yeah. by human industry. And, you know, I had a whole conversation with Mel Wilson, the environmental scientist, about that, of course. about conservation. But thinking about that and realizing that, that, that it's also true internally, that we are under threat mm. our the environment of our minds is under threat yeah it is being colonized 
by industry right. and the wilds, mm. those places that are still untouched and untamed, that are still quiet, yeah. going on long walks uh, alone, pausing between paragraphs while reading a book. Right. Those moments, yes. those moments of, of quiet are quickly vanishing. Mm. And important stuff happens, not just important stuff, but necessary. Important developmental things. Important happen. developmental things. But that's mm -hmm. also where creativity comes from. That's yes. where problem solving happens. That's where the mind does its magic is in those mm -hmm. uncolonized wild places mm. and we're losing them. Yep. And so for me, and this is something that I've been teaching quite a bit in yoga, is the effort to not just conserve our natural wilderness, but also our inner wilderness. Yes. Those, those inner quiet places. And I how, love that idea. Well, and if we don't, and here's the scary thing, if we don't, mm. then there's no hope. If we don't, <laughs> right. then it will be colonized no matter what. And so if we don't put in conscious effort to have a meditation practice, for example. I love that. Or to go on a run, or to have these moments of stillness and solitude. If we don't put in a conscious effort, then the world is going to put in place right. its, its own colonization one of, of the, our minds. I so I feel like I have this relationship to music, that music is that centering practice for me. Because Absolutely. if I come down here and I, can, and I refuse to eliminate distraction from my life, I have no creativity whatsoever. I feel like what my writing process and like the me being able to create something that I enjoy and that I love and that I feel really good about and that I feel like is an accurate representation of something that I want to exist in the world. Experiencing that requires me coming into the studio and sometimes sitting for hours at a time waiting. Yes. And just being quiet <clears throat> and yeah. seeing what the hum does. It's like what Neil Gaiman my says. He, he says, if you want to get creative, you have to get bored. Yes. And I so resonate with that. It's yes. like so many of my ideas come when I'm doing the dishes or when I'm I love cleaning that. the I house. Think we, I think we we've had a couple, already did we've had a, a podcast whole, episode about yes, this. Yes, we've had a whole... And so okay. go listen to that one. So but we in, need to move on. Right. But so yeah. we're going to do one more song on here. It, it, this is going to be a long-ass episode. So I That's apologize okay. for everybody. But just so we can keep it all... Uh, keep it all nice and tight. Keep it all nice and tight. Um, so the last song on side A of the record is a song called Letterman Jacket. And one of my... One of my favorite readings when I was in school was Nathaniel Hawthorne's. Yes. Uh, it's one Scarlet of my favorites, Letter. too. I love that. Yeah. And I just like, for some reason, those two ideas melded together for me. Because I'm always interested in like plays on words and things because it takes my mind in a totally different right. area. And of everything that me and I feel like, yeah, that me and my wife have been through in the past few years i just feel like this was for me this was a really cathartic song because there's mm. been a lot of things that have happened like for me personally when we both got married you know we both were professing christians and i would say that not a lot has changed about us personally in the last 10 years in terms of like what our what our thoughts and beliefs and feelings are been towards together each other for 10 years yeah jesus christ yeah it's crazy we just celebrated five years congratulations Yay, yeah. i have five years of not fucking this thing yeah. up. <laughs> right but some things have changed i think what we call the ways that we express love and the thoughts that we have about religion or at least for me personally have changed and so sometimes it can be really hard when you're in a marriage and someone decides to on the surface 
appear to be leaving something that both initially brought you together. Yeah. <laughs> and so we've walked through that. I feel like she's walked through that with me very gracefully hmm. and in a very kind manner. But I also can acknowledge, you know, that it can be jarring sometimes. Absolutely. When you're in a relationship that was predicated mm. on one thing and then now all of a sudden that thing has left or it's evolved into something different or you no longer call it the same thing that you did. And for us, I feel like that was Christianity. Yeah, I so relate to that. Yeah. Because, and actually John and I have been talking about this, how <laughs> John had this hilarious comment yeah. several several weeks ago where we were on the couch together watching a, a terrible B-horror movie like we do every single night. Right. Um, I think it was like one of the Freddy sequels, like, yeah. like Nightmare on Elms. No, not Nightmare. Fri uh, Friday the 13th, right. 20, or whatever it was. <laughs> and yeah. he looked at me and was like, when we first got together, we thought that what made us compatible was Christianity, when in fact all along it was this. <laughs> 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 like <laughs> Horror films. Yeah, it was horror yeah. films. And um, it's like I was pretty conservative when we first met mm -hmm. and he was just out of the jesuit yeah uh novitiate he was a a, a jesuit novice for two years and then yeah. he decided not to take his vows and left and then we met shortly afterwards mm -hmm. and when he moved in eight months into the relationship he finally moved in and he had so little because he'd made vows of poverty that he just threw like a backpack into his car and drove over and moved into the walk-in closet with me yeah and we thought that what made us compatible was christianity that yeah. we both had the same faith and now He's a Norse heathen, and I'm literally a Satanist. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're still together. Right. And, yeah, realizing that there was something much deeper that yeah. brought us together. Something much deeper. Something, and that, yeah. because we feel like we haven't really changed much either in terms of our posture towards each right. other. Right, and I feel like you and I are lucky in that way. Oh, yeah. I, so a lot of people I, are not. Right, right. So yes. I, know, I know a lot of people who have kind of gone through something similar and could not in one per one or both people you know in the relationship yeah had a really hard time abiding that change yeah and the longer that i'm here the more the more it those kinds of changes and those that kind of growth as a human being feels very inevitable i feel like you it, your ideas of what holds you together and your ideas of what's important to you you realize that they're very intrinsic and that the names that you put on them are the masks themselves. They're yeah. not necessarily the thing. And so for us, I feel like it was an issue of semantics. It was like, well, we've been calling this thing, we've been calling the absolute uh, pinnacle of our ideals Christianity, mm. when in reality, I don't think they were that. Mm. But in terms of this song, this was, this was probably one of the harder things for me to write because it all kind of centers around this idea that I had down here like I remember I had come from a counseling session or therapy session and immediately came to the studio to kind of to start writing and I just had this idea in my head and it was part of its old evangelical tapes that I was playing in my mind right that will pop up when things get really quiet and I just had this vision of like you know I'm doing everything that feels right for me right now and I'm I feel like I'm in the process of becoming a better person becoming a more whole person and I'm on a journey and I don't believe in a literal hell anymore. But the thought of like us being placed back in those old understandings of 
how eternity works. This idea that she and I could both be like at the gates of heaven and because of decisions I had made in my life that now somehow she was relegated to not being able to enter. Yeah. Because we, in the eyes of God, are one. Like, right. I mean, that's, at least that's, so that's that, an old tape from That's the old tape. So, so is that a tape that still occasionally it was just plays sad. I mean, it for was, you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's absolutely yeah. that's part of my doubt. And now. I have and I have those tapes, too. Yeah. And, you know, what I struggle with. So being, you know, a godless atheist, I don't know if really I don't know if there's an afterlife or not. But, yeah. but I'm going to live my life assuming that there isn't. Right. You know, and so it's like I don't get a second chance. It's like I, I need to make this life pretty fucking awesome, which is why right. I have to be so committed to making the world better. For other people, because this is pr- whatever this is, whatever is precious, whatever the it's fuck temporary. this is, whatever the fuck this thing is, it's temporary. Right. I have one shot, and then I go to sleep, and I never wake up. And I am, I'm coming to terms with my own mortality. Mm. You know, I'm, I feel like I'll always be struggling with that. Yeah, with the fact that there might be nothing after this, mm-hmm. that my consciousness will just go out like a light, and there's nothing after that. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I would be delighted <laughs> if if there is an afterlife. Yes, but um, I'm not going to assume that there is. I'm more okay, I'm okay with that for myself. The thought of John not going on mm-hmm. is horrifying to me. Mm. The thought of this entity that I love so yeah. much and that I've shared my life with, the thought of him just being over, being over. Mm-hmm. I cannot handle yeah. that, and that's what's really scary to me yeah. <laughs> about this whole. thing relationship thing that that's an existential horror of mine just thinking about that is so hard yeah and i totally get why people believe in ghosts of their loved ones or Mm. or you know believe that after they die they go up to heaven because the thought for me of john say dying in a car wreck and just being done that yeah is horrifying to me so i don't i don't ever I'm at the point now where I don't even really think about heaven or hell, mm-hmm. but I do really struggle with people I love mm. and what death means for them. Yes. Not so much for myself. Like I, that isn't. An, because you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure when, when one of my cats pushes me down the stairs and I'm on the way down <laughs> and my whole life flashes before my right. eyes, <laughs> then, then I will start thinking more about my own mortality. But, yeah. but for now it's really about other people I love. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I completely love that. But I, there's also an element of like being marked together, like wearing that, wearing the scarlet that's kind of what, Letterman yeah. jacket together. That to to me is kind of the the crux of the song. It's almost like, which is why the main loop in the song is actually like a, a, a high school like band kind of stomp, yeah, clap kind of thing um, that's playing underneath the whole thing. It's mm. almost like just an encouragement that like I the idea of us wearing scarlet letterman jackets that we have been through so many different things together and that we have been kicked out of so many clubs and we've been kicked out of so many Christian clubs and so many places that we wanted to find community and that we wanted to find care Mm. and camaraderie ultimately end up not. And we end up being the scapegoats or we end up somehow being the bad guy or the outsiders or the people that get, that have to wear the A because we don't adhere to those, the beliefs that everybody has 
about certain things within Christianity. And so I feel like I wrote that song for us just to kind of have like a safe place to be like, we're going to be okay. It, yeah. Like it, as it's going to be awesome. We're going to be and great. I'm really proud of us. Like I'm proud of her. I'm proud yeah, of you. You and Jessica have all, a fantastic yeah, relationship. Like all of our friends that have gone through this, that have lost jobs because they were trying to stand up for different communities of people or mm-hmm. marginalized people. We've experienced that. So that's kind of what, what the song is about. It's sad awesome. One. But. It's a great song. I love it. Yep. All right. Are we done? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is there anything totally else that you, this. you didn't get into any of the nerdy stuff, nerdy technical I didn't, stuff? It's all samples and synthesizers. Okay, great. <laughs> all samples and synthesizers. I will do. So for everybody that listens to the show, I also do these specific episodes of Eleven D Life called Solo Button. And I'll take a song and I'll break down all of the different sounds and how they were made and how they work together and what my thought process was behind it. And I will do that for some of these songs for sure in the future. But for all intents and purposes, I feel like this commentary seems to be turning into something a little more uh, emotionally and spiritually cathartic than talking tech. Fantastic. Yep. In the spirit of sacred tension. Right. <laughs> right. Don't forget, it's a crossover episode. <laughs> <laughs> we will see y'all next week. Tell us some clever metaphor. Sing us a hymn or strum us a power chord. Try and say something honestly I don't think I have what you're asking for I'm just like Jesus Christ writers I don't give up Too left to pass.